Welcome, everybody. This is your girl, Donna D, a.k.a. The Urban Mommy, and I am back with another podcast. We did so well last time talking about relationships and narcissistic situations that I found someone else that has an amazing story and she is willing to share because a lot of us, a lot of the listeners are send questions in about this topic itself. So I have Stephanie Ann here and she is willing to tell her story and hopefully help somebody out. Somebody is listening that needs this. So welcome, Stephanie. Hi, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Donna. Of course. I'm okay, so of course. Thank you. So the way we usually start everything out is we just ask you to introduce yourself. So just tell them who Stephanie Ann, Ann is and who you are a lot of times we as mothers we forget we start talking about everything else but ourselves we use our position and everything but we forget who we are so let's find out who stephanie ann is yeah thank you so i am a mother i have three little boys and i am also a survivor of two narcissistic marriages i am an attorney I'm a domestic violence attorney, and I am also a, back in the day, a long time ago, I was a domestic violence advocate. And in fact, I won the governor's award for my advocacy um, many years ago. So I have lots of different hats and lots of different roles. I'm also a certified EFT practitioner. And if you don't know what EFT is, I, I can go into a little bit more depth later on, but it is a modality that I used to heal myself from um, the trauma bond of you know being in these two very toxic, very uh, destructive marriages. So it's, it's a tool I use and it's a tool I like to share with listeners or people who are working with me. This is what we do. And yeah, actually, I play lots of hats. <laughs> I, I see that. I'm like, I'm like, wow, this is uh, interesting. That's that's impressive, though. That's some some pretty big titles you got going on. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> so when you said EMT, my mind went the other way. I was thinking of EMT, the emergency medical technician. So what is, yeah, what is so EMT? it's actually EFT. So oh, EFT. EFT, it stands for Emotional Freedom Techniques. And it is a healing modality that is, it's a way to really sit with your big, heavy emotions and your like small traumas, sit with them and really process them and work through it. And so, you know, we do three rounds and the first round is, is we tap on the meridian points of the body. So, you know, we tap on the head, the eyes, on the sides and we repeat certain phrases um and we also you know just sit with the emotions and then the second round is releasing those emotions and the third round is tapping into the person that you are becoming or you want to become because for a lot of us who have been in these abusive toxic relationships we've spent so many years being criticized being manipulated all the gaslighting where they turn everything around um, to make us feel like we, we're going crazy. Mm-hmm. And so what we have to do is we have to rewire the brain. And that's one of the things that makes being in like a narcissistic relationship so much harder to get away from is because of all of that 
brain wiring that they did. Right. And so we really have to rewire the brain. And so I, I can give you an example if you want. Please. So say, um, you know, for any of the listeners here, um, say you're finally out of the, the relationship, you're finally away, but you have all this guilt, this guilt that you stayed too long, this guilt that you put up with way too much when you should have left. So I would start with, um, even though I have all this guilt and I feel like I've overstayed in this marriage and I feel just all the shame and guilt on myself, I love and accept myself always. So all this guilt, there's so much guilt. I could have left. Why did I stay? Why did I put up with all this shit all the time? Why did I put up with it when I don't deserve that? When I would tell my friends to leave this kind of marriage and they don't deserve it. But here I am in it and I stayed. And now I feel guilty. So, you know, we just talk and process the emotions and then release them and just let them go and then we write a new story for you so who do you want to become i'm strong i'm brave i'm becoming brave i'm powerful i'm finding my power i'm reclaiming my power i am worthy of so much more i deserve so much more you know, so then we tap into that of who you're becoming. So what does the, the tapping, what how, what does that do? So we're tapping on the meridian points of the body. And so okay. the meridian points are, it's kind of a, a modality that brings together Eastern practices and Western practices. And when it was first started, the, the guy who started it had a client who was terribly afraid of water. Like mm -hmm. she would not, she couldn't even take a shower anymore. Wow. He was that fearful of water. And so he was just trying everything and was desperate for something. And so he, you know, he looked east and he, he brought the Western stuff together and he came up with EFT. And so, you know, tapping on the meridian points is just telling the brain I don't know all the science behind right. it, but it, <laughs> it works and it does something. Right. Wake up. You know, it's like telling your brain, like, hey, we're, we're rewiring the brain. Like mm -hmm. trauma, we know you've been here. We're releasing you from my body and we're rerouting everything. Um, I don't know all the details. I know it works for me and this right. is how I healed myself. I do this with my children as well. Because, you know, as moms, we got our, we got our little kids here right. and we have to heal ourselves so we can heal them as well mm. because they're just affected by these toxic relationships as we are. Yeah. And, you know, even when we try to hide it and we say, no, we were in the bedroom yelling and arguing, but they know. Right. And they're hiding under their blankets scared. You know, and so I, I always tell moms, it's like, we have to take care of ourselves first. Mm -hmm. Like when you fly on an airplane, you put on your mask first yep. before you help your children. And it's the same when you're trying to heal from a toxic relationship. You do the work and you heal yourself and then you teach your kids and you help your children heal. I like that.
I was earlier today, we were, we were podcasting and I said a lot of times we went through a lot. We as in, you know, us adults, we went through a lot before we finally realized what was happening, what was going on. So I was asking her, what do you do with your kids? Do you allow them to go through everything or do you teach them and show them the way that, you know, the new way that we know that we learned? Yeah. And what she say? Yeah, she she said that she she kind of lets them make, you know, some mistakes, but she tries her best to, you know, teach them so that they won't have to go through all the things that we went through. You know, because yeah. it, it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot. And especially when it comes to the, these toxic marriages or, or relationships, and especially with narcissists, because they will pick on anyone. Yeah. They are bullies. Mm. And it doesn't matter. They will criticize your children. They will, their children, even the stepchildren, they will say things. And so, you know, even for me being in these two toxic marriages, I spent 17 years Mm. within these two marriages and I started to, to see little things. And so I would, I would call them out on it. And then I would talk to my children about it and say, Hey, you know, that wasn't kind the way they were, he was spoke, spoke to you, um, and I started teaching my kids tapping as a way for them to process their emotions because they would get angry. Well, what do we do with all this anger? And what mm-hmm. is underneath all this anger? Well, underneath all the anger is grief. Mm. You know, and so we have to let them have a safe place where they can get out these big emotions and and get to the, the root of right. it. You know, so they can cry and let go and heal just like, just like us. Right. You know, can we talk a little about, a little bit about trauma bonds? That's, I won't say a new term, but it's gaining popularity right now. What exactly is a trauma bond? So a trauma bond is a bond that forms between two people that have been in this, uh, like fight or flight, this, this, uh, love trauma cycle. So the the best way to, to, to describe it is, okay, in the beginning of the relationship, it's the honeymoon period. This is the period where they are just telling you everything you want to hear. Oh, Donna, you are so beautiful. You are God's gift to me. You are my soulmate. I love you. I'm sending you flowers. I'm taking you out. I'm getting your nails done. Everything that you ever wanted in a partner they are showing you that they are that person mm-hmm. when really with a, in a narcissistic relationship, they are mirroring you. Mm. So my first, my second husband, I thought I was doing everything right. I'm like, we met online. I'm like, let's just really get to know each other before we even meet. Well, how can you see red flags when, when you right. don't meet? How can you engage with their friends when you don't meet? Mm. But I thought I was doing it right. I'm like, no, we're going to do it this way because then it's not going to go physical first. Mm. Let's just really get to know each other. Well, in hindsight, he just projected me onto me. Yeah. So I fell in love with me. Mm. And you don't know that. So this is the start of the trauma bond. Mm -hmm. And everything happens rapidly and fast. And so, but then there's the devaluation 
So then they start making comments and it becomes confusing because you're like, wait a second, you loved that about me. Right. So for instance, my, my second husband, Jace, he would tell me, I love that you're a lawyer. I love that you are a strong, independent woman. I love that you're a feminist. I love that all your friends are such powerful, strong women. I love that about you. Well, for the devaluation phase, it was, I fucking hate lawyers. They <laughs> suck. I blah, blah, blah. Your girlfriend's a feminist, blah, blah, blah. And, and all this stuff. And it was like, wait a second. That's what you told me you loved about me. And so then mm-hmm. it, it becomes very confusing. But you know that that you have this bond. Like, you know that this person knows how to love. Right. And so then in the devaluation phase, they might say something that really upsets you or hurts you. And, and they may or may not apologize. But when they apologize, they're apologizing that, oh, maybe I took it a little too far. So now I'm going to re-love bomb you again. Right. So then it's like, oh, here's some more flowers. Let me take you out to eat. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're so beautiful. You're all this. And then, mm-hmm. but then the, the thing is in, in the cycle, the love bombing and the devaluation, it becomes more devaluation, less love bombing. Mm-hmm. But they've already got you. Mm-hmm. And usually they rush to marry you because once you're married or have a kid with them, then they know you're really trapped. Yeah. It's just a game. It's a game. Mm-hmm. And and for me and for most people who find themselves in this, you don't know what it is. I didn't know what was happening. Mm-hmm. And even me as a, you know, an advocate and an attorney and all this stuff, and I've worked with women for a long time, I didn't know what was happening because it doesn't look like traditional domestic violence mm-hmm. per se, you know? It's like, oh, well, he was mean. Okay, well, is that abuse? Well, right. it sure is abuse. It is. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you don't you don't see it all in in the beginning, like I said, because it's just little little things, little criticisms, little mm-hmm. manipulations. Mm-hmm. But then when you are able to take a step back and look at it in the totality, yeah. Oh, it's a lot. And so mm-hmm. that's how the trauma bond forms. Because you keep saying, okay, I know this person knows how to love me. And so then you start internalizing it. Well, maybe I did something wrong. Mm. Well, maybe I um, wasn't, maybe I didn't dress right that day. Or maybe I forgot to put makeup on. You know, you just start taking everything so personally. Mm -hmm. And you try to start fixing these things. Like I remember I was like, oh, well, we need to go to therapy. We need to do this and we need to do that. And, but it wasn't me. And so it doesn't matter what you do. Right. You're never going to to be enough because they will just change the game. They will just switch it up on you. To Move keep the you goal guessing. Post. Yeah, to keep you guessing and keep you confused because they don't want you to know who they are because as soon as you know who they are, you're gone. You're right. not going to want to stay. Mm-hmm. But they keep you trapped in that trauma bond. Mm-hmm. And you know, so another way to look at it is uh, it's like a, a drug, an addiction. Mm-hmm. And just like a, a drug seeker, you're always, they're, they're seeking that first high. Mm. 
And that's how it is in the trauma bond. We're seeking that first connection that we had because we know they are capable of being kind, of saying kind words, of treating us the way we need to be treated. <laughs> but yeah. we never, it never goes back up. You never get that full dopamine dose. That's so, I like that. That's a good example because that's literally exactly how it is. Like they're really nice to you. They're really sweet. And then boom, the other person comes out. And then when that other person comes out, you try to not see that other person. You're like, I don't know, something's got to be going on because that's not him. He's so nice. He, he's this, he's that. And it's, yes. we just, I never, I had a situation um, with my, my kid's father and after my child was born, like he didn't really want to have anything to do with the baby, like literally anything, like anything, right? And for years, when I tell you years, for years I was like, this isn't really him, you know. That's not that's not how he is. Like I, I made up every excuse in the world. I just did not want to yes. accept the fact that he was doing that. It took me like I'm talking years. I just could not believe. For one, I couldn't believe that he did it because I guess we had a trauma bond, and I just. You know, he's such a sweet guy and such a good dad and all that. So it took me a while to accept it. And I didn't, I won't say I'd accept it. I was forced to accept it because he just did not come around at all. And so that's, that's and so that's true. The, and that's the hard truth about them is that it's all fake. Yeah. It's all a show. It's all a game. And as soon as we start to figure it out, they're gone. Game they move over. on to the game over. They're on to the next supply because they have to keep, they don't want to reveal who they really are. Because when you look at what a narcissist is, a narcissist is so in love with themselves. The narcissist um, has such an inflated sense of self-importance mm-hmm. that, that their needs, their wants, their desires are the only thing that matters they want and need that constant admiration that constant validation mm-hmm. and if you're not giving it to them they're going to go find it somewhere else because they need to be admired and loved and and they have a hard time you can look at any of these people who are narcissists and they've never had good healthy attached relationships they're they just move from person to person to person that's so true so manipulative but the 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 sad thing is is that they actually have one of the most fragile egos and fragile self-esteem like they do not like themselves but think about it if they became aware they would have to think about who they are Mm mm-hmm and it's much easier to just jump to the next person because then they don't have to think about who they are. They can just find another person to come in and validate and make them feel good and make them feel good. Mm. So it's just, they're the horrible. It and is. <laughs> so horrible. Let me ask you, you, I know you are a domestic violence attorney. Did you... Were you all, I mean, I, I, clearly you weren't always an attorney, but did you become an attorney because you dealt with it or the other way around? I was, it was the other way around. I was an attorney first. Wow. Um, 
and and like I said, like you don't you don't always know you're in these relationships. And so with my first husband, I was together with him for 15 years, and he he cheated constantly, constantly. And people are like, well, why did you stay, Stephanie? Well, you know, I stayed because my parents have been married for 45 years. His parents have been married for 55 years. We had good, strong role models. I grew up in the church, you know, it's like, well, you don't get divorced. Mm -hmm. um, you work things out. And so I tried, I tried working things out. I tried doing all these things. But if you have someone that you're with that refuses to do any of that, finally, I just started focusing on myself and my children. And eventually my first husband left me for another married woman. And when he left me, he said, I'm setting you free. Mm. Okay. He did what I couldn't have done. I did not have the strength to leave him. And then I spent, you know, a couple of years healing and working on myself. And I thought I was healed. And so when I met my second husband, I manifested him. I'm a big manifester. I wrote the list. <laughs> I had everything I was looking for. I'm like, okay, a businessman, because my first husband was in the medical. And I'm like, I'm not doing medical people. They're all cheaters. <laughs> um, well, it, it even that's another thing too, because I didn't see it as, as uh, abuse. Mm. I'm like, he's just a cheater. No, Stephanie that's abuse mm. but how many of us say that no he's just a cheater he's a cheater he's a cheater yeah and that's abuse towards you because you've asked him to stop you've told him that it hurts you you've told him all these things and he's still doing it right so how did when the with the cheating how did it make you feel like inside i talked to a lot of women on the podcast and some say they're not worried about it. Some say they don't care about details. They don't care. Some people say they make money, so they let them cheat. How did cheating affect you? How did it make you feel? It made me feel terrible. Um, it made me feel like um, worthless. It yeah. made me feel like he didn't care. Um, that he could go and do whatever he wanted. And, and you know, he never... There were the, all the evidence was there. I mean, it was it was very obvious. But um, and and his thing was the emotional affairs, like just talking to women because he needed that constant validation because mm -hmm. he had such a slow self worth mm. of who he of who he was. So he needed the validation from other women. So you know, it, it came to the point where I didn't trust him. I didn't respect him. Um, we were more like roommates, mm. but we, but you know, we, we stayed together because, or at least I did, I didn't leave him because I didn't have the strength to leave him. Mm -hmm. If you know, and that's tapping on all that guilt. Like, why didn't I leave him? I don't know. Right. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but there's so much shame and, and guilt and embarrassment about you know, being in these situations and talking about it. And this mm. is why I talk about it because until we normalize these conversations, mm -hmm. it's just going to keep happening and keep happening and keep happening. So um, and so that was, I, you mentioned something earlier about um, our, our story, but for a long time, I didn't want to own that as my story. 
It's embarrassing. It's shameful. I don't want to talk about my my husband, and here I am. I'm a good-looking person. Guys hit on me all the time. But my own husband? You know? And so for a long time, I didn't want to own that as my story. And it really, and, and for a long time, you know, 17 years within these two marriages, um, I, I looked at these two men who were inflicting all this stuff on me. I looked at them as monsters. Mm. Why are they trying to destroy my life? Why are they doing all this? I just want a, a peaceful life, a, mm-hmm. a happy life. I don't want any of this drama, trauma, and chaos in my life. Mm. Why does it keep happening? Why am I in my second marriage with a narcissist? And so I actually, um, I lost my eyesight. And I was sitting here just in this big, like, pile of, of victimhood. Like, why is all this stuff happening to me? Why did I have two narcissistic husbands? Why all this stuff? And I, you know, I lost a house in a hurricane. I lost a house in a fire. I had a baby born with a, a, a rare, very rare genetic condition. I lost loved ones to COVID. My, my ex committed suicide. And sitting here like, why me? I'm a good person. I did everything right in my life. I did all the things that you're supposed to do. Hmm. And here I am. All this bad stuff is happening to me. And then I lost my eyesight. And like, what is going on? And I got quiet and I got still and I couldn't do anything else because I couldn't see. I'm like, maybe there's a bunch of freaking lessons I need to learn. And I felt like it was, Stephanie, you're not seeing your story correctly. Mm. You're not seeing your story through the right lens. Shift your story to where you are the hero of your story, not the victim. Mm. And I sat there. I'm like, well, what does that mean? So then I started with my first husband. If I'm the hero of my story, what are the lessons then? How do I put myself as the hero? So I said, okay. Husband number one, Josh, thank you for showing me that I needed boundaries. Mm. I did not have boundaries for myself. Now, I had boundaries for him. I was a boundaries police. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Stop talking to my husband. You know he's married. Mm -hmm. Um, Why are you talking to these women? You are married. Mm-hmm. Why am I confronting women? Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to shift that. Stephanie, you need to have boundaries for yourself. You are not responsible for anyone else's boundaries. Yes. Husband number two, I went in that marriage with some boundaries. But he kept pushing those boundaries and pushing them and pushing them. So I can say now, thank you, Jace for showing me that although I had boundaries, I must remain firm in my boundaries. It's a boundary for a reason. 
Mm. It's basically like I went into that marriage with no boundaries either because he kept pushing and I kept letting him. Mm. So I can go back to my first husband and say, thank you, Josh. You showed me that I am worthy of so much more. And I can say that with Jay's too. I am worthy of so much more. So what does worthiness mean to me? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not, I'm learning these lessons. I'm not getting into a third marriage with a narcissist. <laughs> no, <laughs> right. we are breaking these patterns. And so, you know, I, I'm blind and I'm sitting here thinking about all these things and I just go through and I'm just filling up pages and pages and pages of journals. Because mm-hmm. when I was stuck in my victim story, I couldn't see the lessons because okay. I'm the victim. Right. I didn't do anything wrong. Right. They need to come up with the lessons. They need to learn the lessons, not me. But when you sit and you shift your perspective and you see your story as you are the hero and not the victim, then you can write out all the lessons. Then you know what to heal and what to work on. Okay, Mm -hmm. I need to work on boundaries. I need to work on worthiness. I need to work on um, speaking up for myself and not Mm -hmm. putting up with this stuff. I need to be able, if I see something, I, I need to address it. Yeah. You know, and so when I made that shift, when I went through and saw all the le- pages and pages and pages of lessons, I knew what needed to be healed. Mm-hmm. Then I healed myself. I did all the hard work, hours, hours and months and months and years working on myself, healing myself. And then... I was able to finally say I have broken these patterns in my life. So what do you, what is it about you? Do you think that um, attracted the narcissist to you? Well, that's what I'm saying with, with the lesson. So I think that we repeat the same things, right? We repeat the same patterns until we address the lessons and they see Uh, that. Yeah. Do, no, no, I don't. I don't think they do. Mm. I think it's uh, maybe the universe, God, what it source, mm-hmm. whomever you connect with. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, I was starting to to tell you about my second marriage to Jace and how I manifested him. Mm-hmm. So I wrote out the list of all the qualities, everything I wanted in a person, and mm-hmm. you know what? I put that out to the universe, and a week later, I met him. Mm. divorced dad with only boys that's what I wanted tall dark and handsome yep businessman oh he fit that he checked off every single thing on my list and the universe gave me all the unhealed lessons and so I, I truly believe until you heal and until you learn all those lessons, you're going to keep repeating the same patterns in your life. Mm. <laughs> and you know, I it, and some and and you know, some people say, well, maybe it's because you grew up in a toxic family. No, not a very healthy family. There was nothing toxic. Well, you have dad issues. Nope, I don't have dad issues. 
My dad was around. My dad is great. Uh, you know, I played sports. I was like the the boy of the family. You know, I, I played sports all the way through. My parents yeah. went to every single game. I played sports in college. My parents went to every single game. So it wasn't that. I don't know what it was. Right. You know, I think there there were red flags, but when you're so in love with someone, it's easy to to just you know ignore. Yeah. Yeah. ignore the red flags and that's what i did there were a lot mm -hmm. of red flags husband number two there were so many red flags but i ignored it because i was like i manifested him and he called me my his soulmate <laughs> right so you know the the red flags aren't that big of a deal oh they're a big deal and that's why they're there yes so you know there there's that yes i got all the lessons but i also ignored a lot of red flags too and how many of us do that because we were like, no, but he's, God gave him to me. He's my gift. Yeah, he drinks, but you know, <laughs> he, he doesn't drink all the time. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes, he does. He's yeah. been hiding all those vodka bottles. Mm -hmm. So you never saw them all when he was, when you were in the honeymoon phase. So they hit them all. And it's right. vodka, so you can't always tell. Mm-hmm. Did you tell your second husband about what happened with your first husband? Yes. And that is something that narcissists will do as well. You get really close to them in that honeymoon phase. Uh, you know, when they're forming that trauma bond, they, like, I, I always tell them, I'm like, man, I've never felt so close to someone in my life. I've never been able to share all these things with anyone but you because they create that environment of trust in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And you start to tell them all your secrets. Oh, my, uh, my first husband, he cheated on me. He did all these things. And you know what he said? My wife, my first wife did all those things to me too. <laughs> no, she didn't because I talked to her. <laughs> <laughs> she did not do any of those things. Mm. But you know, they find that connection. They find that thing and they pull you in and, uh, yeah, and so then he used all those insecurities. And so he would say, um, oh, I, I was out at the store and like this woman, she was so beautiful and she gave me her phone number. And you know, she was so flirty with me. And in the beginning, it was just like, oh my God, like, why are you telling me this? Like, I don't mm -hmm. wanna hear this because right. I spent 15 years with someone who cheated on me. Why are you? Why are you doing this to me? Mm -hmm. He's doing it to you because he knows it hurts you. Right. And they will take whatever insecurity you have and they will use it against you to hurt you because it's all they have. They don't have anything else. And so he would do that. And towards the end, when I started seeing what was going on, mm -hmm. I started just being like, well, that's great. I mean, you're a good looking guy. I get it. I get why mm -hmm. girls would want to give you their phone number. And then I'd mm -hmm. walk away and I would piss him off because <laughs> I wasn't validating what he, what he wanted me to do. I wasn't giving him the reaction. They, they provoke mm -hmm. because they want a reaction mm -hmm. because then they can turn everything around and say, no, it was you. And that's where like a lot of the gaslighting comes in and stuff, you know, it's like they, they make you feel like you're the crazy one. Right. I didn't, I didn't say that. That's not how it happens, Stephanie. 
Yeah, my situation, my gaslight, well, gaslighting, it was it was similar. Like I just I kind of got scared. I don't say scared, but I got scared. Now, that's the word that, that came out, so I'm gonna go with scared. I didn't even want to question him about anything. So when I had my first relationship, I I thought that I was on him too much. So I said, the next time I get in a relationship, I'm not gonna do that because I don't want to be that 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 lady that's you know hounding him. So for the sec for the second guy, I I backed off. I didn't tell him anything, and of course that that bit me in my butt. Um, and then when it was time for me to stand up and say something, whenever I would say something, he would like turn it against me. It can be like the simplest thing. I could just tell him something so simple and he would turn it against me and make me out to be like this person. Like I'm just not a good spouse. I'm gonna say a good spouse. Like I'm not a good spouse to him. Cause I'm like, I could say something simple like, why did you leave those sodas out? Why you left the cold drink on? We say cold drink. Why you left the cold yeah. drinks on the counter? Oh, you weren't about the cold drinks on the counter. I didn't say anything when you were on the internet all night, not listening to me and not talking. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? But he would, yes. he would turn things on me. And then, and at some point I just stopped even telling him anything. Cause I don't, I didn't even want to deal with it. Yes. No, I, I was the same. Like, uh, you know, classic example, I did everything. So he had three boys. I had two boys and we had one baby together. So we had six boys under mm. the age of 14 Ooh. <laughs> for a long for a long time and I did all the school stuff I did uh you know half the boys went to private school so I did uniforms I had to go buy uniforms wash uniforms make sure they were ready to go they all played on multiple soccer teams so I had to go register for soccer I had to take them to soccer practice I had to do all this I had to cook breakfast lunch and dinner I had to make their lunches because they all packed lunches I cleaned the house. I went grocery shopping. I did everything. Mm-hmm. Literally, I paid the bills. I did the doctor's appointments. I did the dentist appointments. And what did he do? He just sat in his room and played on his phone. I don't know. You know, I used to think, oh, maybe it's because he had a big dick. But <laughs> the truth is, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't even know if I can say that on your show. But the truth is, it's average. You know, and I, I'm not. I'm just saying, it's like, well, why, why do you say it? It's like, that wasn't even great either. Right. It's the freaking trauma bond that yeah. keeps, that keeps us there. <laughs> and it's like, I'm doing all these things and I'm exhausted. I'm the first mm-hmm. to get up, the last to go to bed. And so when I would have multiple conversations with him, I'm like, Hey, you have to help me. I, mean, mm-hmm. I can't do all of this. You have to participate. You have to help. And, and he would just start crying. My second husband was a crier. He's the, <laughs> the, the victim. Mm-hmm. He would start crying and be like, but my back hurts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, so you can go and make food and create a giant mess right. and not clean it up because you're in pain. Right, but then you want me to, to clean it up. You can't even do a load of laundry. You can't take the kids to soccer practice. You can't call a doctor and, and take the kids to their appointment. And he would just start crying and crying and crying and, and like <laughs> just turn everything around to where, mm. you know, he's this poor, helpless person who can't right. do anything. And I just started, towards the end, I just started walking away. I'm like, I can't whatever right I can't I not today I'm so done I'm so <laughs> done yeah 
Not today, right? Not I feel to- you. Not today. And it, but that's <laughs> but that's what they do. They turn every if you have any grievance against them, anything they will turn the even the simplest thing like, hey, can you just put the grocery away? Can you just put that in? Can you just close the fridge? Maybe that you left open. But any grievance, they will turn it around and blow it up mm-hmm. way out of proportion. Um, and turn it around and and then make you feel bad because yeah. you said something. And so everyone, when you're in these narcissistic relationships, everyone, even the children, know not to say anything because nobody wants to deal with the tantrum that's going to come. So we yeah. all are just quiet, living this like miserable little existence when he's there. And then when he's gone, everyone's happy and and stuff and it's oh he's coming home he's back. all right let's just go to our room and put our headphones on right you, know, you see my horrible. situation was tough because the narcissist one of the narcissists that i had nobody even myself nobody wanted to believe that he was like that like nobody could see it because he did not put off like typical narcissist behavior so he didn't have the the ego he didn't he didn't have a lot so people didn't necessarily say he was charming like most of them would be but most people felt sorry for him because they're like oh he had such a, such a hard life he had this he had mm-hmm. that oh he's so sweet oh he's doing this he's doing that so nobody would believe me the stuff that I would say that he would say to me so I wouldn't even say anything I'm like it doesn't even make sense to say it you know I'm here you know I'm dealing with it and then I have my own attachment issues where I didn't want to let go because I didn't want to deal with a failure and stuff like that. But he was almost textbook. Everything else was almost textbook about that narcissism that he had. And like the gaslighting. I mean, I can even I could be saying something sweet and simple like, oh, man, I wish I could. I wish I could see you later or something like that. You wish you could see me later. You wish you could see me later. And then he'll turn it against me like. I did, he just, it would just turn and flip it. And then he would make me feel bad at the end. Like I'm not doing something right. And I would just feel like you said, I would be so worth, I would feel like I was so worthless. Like I was useless. And I was never like that. But being in relationships with cheaters and narcissists, it will break you down if you let it. It does. And that's why it, it really takes a lot of hard work to, to break the trauma bond. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like even when I when I left my first my second husband and went completely no contact, I've gone back and I've read my journals and it's like, I love you, blah 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 blah, and it's like I hate you, and it's like, whoa, this <laughs> is <a> mess, <laughs> right? Because it because it's so confusing, it's so confusing because it's like what just happened. Mm-hmm. And so you really have to do the hard work. And, and people always say, oh, time will heal. Uh-uh. Time Mm-mm. doesn't heal when you've been trauma bonded with a narcissist. Right. Time just prolongs your suffering. Yes. You have to do the hard work of healing. And that's why I like EFT, because it is a way to rapidly rewire your brain, to rapidly break the trauma bond um, because that's what you have to do if you do nothing 
10 years from now, you'll still be in the same spot. I love him. I miss him. Why? He's so horrible. Yeah, we can see that. I can see that they're so horrible. So why do I still love them? Because you're trauma bonded. And that is not broken in your life. <laughs> like I, I was saying earlier, a lot of times I, you know, we, I created the podcast to help other people, but a lot of it, I'm helping myself as well because I'm, um, I mean, I don't have the issues now, but I'm, even though, I mean, I have it now, I still have a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed from previous relationships. So when you decided, not decided, but when you started recognizing what was going on, I know you did the EFT, but did you do mm-hmm. any therapy? I know you say you did some journaling. Did you do therapy I, at all? Um, so I'm, I'm very fortunate. My very, very best friend, um, who we, we were childhood friends, she is a marriage and family therapist. And so she's always been, she, she was one of the ones in the beginning that my, my second ex-husband loved her. Mm-hmm. Oh, he hates her. Mm. Hates, hates, hates because she could call. She was calling him out on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. And so, therapy in a sense that yes, I have a very strong, solid support system and mm-hmm. group of friends. And my, you know, one of my friends being the therapist. Um, so she's always been here, always helped me process some things. Um, mm-hmm. I do do a lot of meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of journaling. Journaling has really, really helped me because there's, you know, one of the things with, with these relationships is it is the the gaslighting. So it became so confusing. And so I was thankful that I always journaled and wrote things down so I could go back and I'm like, it did not happen the way he says. I have it written down. This is how it happened. Like he's messing with me. Hmm. And, and then you don't get closure in these because as soon as the mask comes off and you realize who they are, they've either dis, they are either in the process of discarding you or you're discarding them. Mm-hmm. One of the two is happening. And if you're not leaving, they're going to leave you mm-hmm. and move on to the next person. And so, you know, I have these two marriages that I never got closure when my first husband left. He was gone. We never had a conversation. And then he spent, you know, six years using uh, the legal system as a weapon against me. My second husband, we never had closure. We've never talked. And so journaling was a good tool for me to express everything I wanted to express, to say everything that I wanted to say. Journaling gave me closure that I never got from them. Okay, and that, that's that was a question. So, is I was going to ask, is is closure necessary? So, not necessarily. It's you know, I I think everyone wants to feel heard and to feel validated for their feelings. Mm-hmm. That's not going to happen. Mm. Yeah, you know, it it's not. Yeah, I like... talk to so many people, and it's they're just like me. They're gone. Mm. Right. So let's talk about the domestic violence portion of it, because that's a, a, a huge topic that is a, you know, a very touchy subject for a lot of people. So 
can we a little talk about that you know while we get to the end of it because this conversation yeah. went so fast oh my god i can't believe it's been that long 47 <laughs> I minutes know, already i know and i am more than welcome to come and 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 talk more because i don't want to open up a, a can of something and then it's like oh we can't two yeah. hours i mean i, I totally want to be respectful of your time but yes. um so the domestic violence is <clears throat> all of this is domestic violence mm. i think so many times we have it in our head it's well he didn't hit me well but did he tear you down every single day? Did he cut at your self-esteem and your self-worth? Did you tell him to stop doing something and he never stopped? Did he respect you when you told him not to do these things? Was there psychological abuse? That's the gaslighting. That's the manipulation. This is all domestic violence. But he never laid a finger on me. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's all domestic violence. Now, my second marriage ended in violence because he went on a narcissistic rage, and I've never—I didn't know what it was. I don't—I didn't know what was happening. It was all of a sudden like like someone came in and flipped a light switch on or turned it off. But one day he was like. I don't want to say perfect because he wasn't. <laughs> right. But we had been in this like honeymoon phase for like three months, you know, it was it was all good. And I was like, yes, he's finally like, he's finally back to his true self. Like, oh my gosh, after so many years, he's he's back. Like, this is it. This was the, the initial rush, the initial high. I was so in love. We were vacationing in the Florida Keys. I'm like, we're beautiful place we have this beautiful place all the kids are having fun we're just together it was like a honeymoon for us and I'm like I am so in love with you a week later the the, the switch went off and he went into this three-week narcissistic rage he turned into the incredible Hulk and I and I say that to people I'm like no he literally I feel like he didn't even have a shirt on, like any shirt that it was like ripped <laughs> off because he was, it, he became this other, this, the Hulk. Mm. And it was scary. And I don't know what set it off because, you know, sometimes when, when you've been in these relationships, you know the little, the mm-hmm. little, trip. well, maybe it's stressed out or maybe this. And so, you know, we're constantly catering and making sure that, oh, that, that his world is perfect for him while we mm-hmm. all, you know, for suffering and his little servants making him mm. feel all good because we don't want the rage. We don't mm. want the the comments. We just want peace. So we will do anything to create a peaceful situation. And so I don't know what triggered it, mm. but he turned into someone that I had never seen before. And I'd never experienced this. It was the most terrifying I've ever been through Mm. and he was just provoking and provoking and provoking and he started taking it out on the kids and I told him do not talk to the kids this way do not do this and then that's when he turned it all on me Mm. and so it was three weeks of torment keep me up all night shine his, his phone flashlight on me just all kinds of like weird bizarre behavior slamming doors punching he punched the walls punched holes in the walls and 
And this is like what you think of when like typical domestic violence. Yes, this is domestic violence, but everything else that I've shared with you for the past almost hour, that's all domestic violence. Right. It's all violence. It's just more internal. It's just a psychological, emotional. But now mm -hmm. I'm seeing the physical manifestation of this giant temper tantrum from an almost six foot four man. Mm. It was terrifying. And he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. And he wouldn't stop just provoking and provoking and tormenting and tormenting. And I punched him and said, leave me the fuck alone. I'm out of here. I am done. And mind you, three weeks prior to that, I was so in love with him. We were in the keys, you know, and it's like, right. wow. In one instant, like, I was like, I'm, I'm done. I am done. And I, you know, I, I don't necessarily recommend that either because he jumped up and he said, bitch, you're going to jail. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, and then he beat the shit out of me. Guess who went to jail that night? Was it him? No. He had a story. Mm. Apparently his whole face was bloody. His face wasn't bloody when I punched him. Never punched anyone in my life. And this is what's messed up with the system. I know the system. I've worked in this system. Mm. So until we all start standing up and sharing our stories, when I was in jail, I met so many women who did the same thing. It's called reactive abuse. Mm -hmm. You've been tormented and tormented and provoked and provoked that you finally react. You know what? He, he was doing things to me for three weeks. My tiny little punch, he wasn't afraid. Right. There was no fear. Thankfully, everything was dropped and, and all that stuff, but still... I've never been to jail, or at least not on that side. I've been on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and it's like, you, you, have, you have to find the humor somewhere. And so, you know, I, I was laughing with my friends. I'm like, well, you know, I went with the tiniest little silk jammy bottoms and <laughs> I didn't even have a bra. <laughs> I don't like, <laughs> I, and this got me all like, I got into the whole jumpsuit movement. Like all of a sudden I started seeing, you know, the little jumpers, the little rompers. <laughs> so comfortable. I started buying them after my gel experience because <laughs> I'm like, these are really comfortable. <laughs> you can be naked underneath it and right. just zip it up. <laughs> and so, right. And, and you know, it's like, my, my friends are like, well, but you know, there's that one little toilet in there. Dude, I have four sisters and I played college sports. I've right. peed and taken showers and I've been naked in front of women my entire life. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> I am not phased by right. the jail toilet in the middle of the room. I was fine. I'm used to that. <laughs> what what was the, the sad part though was knowing that when I was there, there were three other women who were in for the same thing. And it's like, again, until we start normalizing this, until we start talking about it more and sharing our experiences. I should not have been in jail that night. These other three women that I talked to should not have been in jail that night. And it's terrifying to go to jail when you've never been. 
but it actually wasn't that bad. I was like, <laughs> as a mom to six boys and having like worked right. my ass off, I appreciated my Vacation. 13 hours of no one on me. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you're seeing, you got to see your story through a different perspective. Yeah. I enjoyed having quiet time. <laughs> Nobody doing anything to me i just cuddled up and laid in my bed and i'm like i know the process i've you know i've done lots of arrangements i know about my call give me a minute uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh man that's funny i'm laughing because I, I literally just put on my facebook post the other day i guess i was just stressed out i said you know what i think i'm about to go audition for 60 days in i said i need a vacation right <laughs> I, and I will tell you, the only thing I, uh, if they could turn the lights out, but you know, there's no clocks, you don't know anything, but I, I learned to track every time the guards would come. So they would come like every, every 30 minutes. And so I kept on asking them and then I was like, okay, so it's 10 o'clock, it's 1030. And that's how I was able to keep track of time. So I knew when the judge was going to be calling us up, mm-hmm. I could be prepared, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it, it's ridiculous. I'm like, how? <laughs> Come on, cops! Right. Like, give me a. F- we need more. They need more training. And a lot of this changed when a lot of the states um, enacted this law that said uh, mandatory arrests for domestic violence cases. And mm-hmm. so then it's up to these cops to figure out who the primary aggressor is. Well, you know what? The cops interviewed me outside in the dark with a flashlight Mm. i was covered in bruises i didn't even know i was covered in bruises until i was in jail Mm. and you know the nurse was like holy what happened there Mm -hmm. you know and so they just took his story because here i'm the one freaking out because i don't even know what just happened i just got the shit kicked out of me and i'm but i'm not bleeding anywhere Mm-hmm. Because, you know, a palm slap, a palm hit, things like that is going to create right. a bruise, but no it's not blood. going to create blood. Mm-hmm. And he apparently had a bloody eye that I didn't give him a bloody eye because his eye wasn't bloody before. But he had a story. Mm. And that's what they will do. And you know what? I found out he did this to his first wife. Mm. He had uh, assault charges on his girlfriend. Mm. And so, you know, it's like, dude, how do we even date anymore? Like, I don't want, I don't want to be with a narcissist. I don't want, you know, how do we find, (laughs) (laughs) are there? I'm so happy being single. I'm like, I have three little boys. I am, I'm not even interested right now. There are too many horrible people out there. Right. Who wants to go through that? That's crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I can definitely say I've I've been on, I've been to jail. <laughs> Don't be fooled. <laughs> but we could play the drinking game. Drink if you've been to jail. Uh huh. Got it. <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. I'm like story. You, you go out with the with these people, and they're like, "Well, have you been to jail?" I'm like, well, I mean, I have. <laughs> <laughs> right. But no, but it, but it, but it's a thing, and that's what, that's what they will do. They will provoke and provoke and provoke and provoke, and and even the little provokes throughout the day, it's because they want a reaction. 
It's power and control. I am in control of your emotions. Because they know if they can say one little thing to you, you're going to react and you're just going to be upset for the rest of the day and they feel better about themselves. I don't know why it's all like that. Horrible. It's a horrible, horrible game. It is. It is. That was good. But that was an intro. I liked liked the the ending. That was cute. (laughs) Um, Well, as we come to the end of this particular podcast I would like to ask you my question that I ask everyone if you could go back and talk to 17 year old Stephanie what would you tell her Mm. oh that's a good one I would say you know the last time aside from like right now the last time I really felt like myself was in my early 20s um oh so my my 17 year old self um focus on you Put yourself first, make yourself number one in your life, and never settle for anything less. Mm. Dope. I like it. All right. Cool. Okay. So, like I said, we had a lot, and I'm sure there's so much more we can talk about. Um, so we will definitely get some more. We'll have another part because um, this was a good information. And then, of course, since you're an attorney and you're an advocate, I know you have lots of stories that can help mm-hmm. on the other other end of it. So, yes. again, I want to thank you, Stephanie Ann, for coming on, for thank sharing you. your story, um, for even adding a, a little humor to it, because sometimes we just have to laugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I said, that was funny. Your story is, is hilarious. Um, the little jumper is cute. <laughs> um, so I know for, for a fact, I know that the listeners and the viewers really enjoyed um, today's podcast. And if you are in, in, in one of these situations, a narcissistic relationship, abusive, which is an abusive relationship, please understand, of course, that you are not the only person dealing with it. So don't beat yourself up too much um, and just know that you can get help and it, it does get better. I mean, it might get a little lonely, but it does get better. It does. It Steph, does. is there anything you want to well, reach out and say? Uh, you know, it's like you're saying, it, it does get lonely, but I, and I would take being alone over being with someone who does not respect value or treat you the way you are worthy of being treated yeah and and yeah you're not alone and and start sharing your story and start talking because we really need to normalize this conversation yeah and we need our friends and our families and other women that we don't even know and men too because it does happen to men as well Mm -hmm. um that we are all here for each other yeah and you can heal you will get through this. It will be hard. It will be challenging, but it's not impossible. Yeah. So reach out, reach out. And know your worth. And know your worth. Definitely. <laughs> Good. All right. So is there, um, do you want, you have some social media or anything you want to share with, with those? Um, I can, do you want me to put it in the chat? I'm, I don't have a website yet. I'm okay. still working on everything, but you can find me on Facebook. I'll just put my name in here. You can, um, yeah, you can actually message it to me. So when I put it in oh, the description okay. for the podcast and for the video, I will put your information at the bottom. That way they can, 
they can follow you. So that will okay. that will be good. So we'll do that. And yeah. when you do get your website, let me know. I'll update it so that they can follow you. And of course, we'll still be in contact. So I'll know this stuff as it's happening. Yes. Um, yes. So again, thank you so much. Thank you, listeners, thank for you. staying with us this whole time. And like I said, if the law says the same, I'll see y'all next week. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye.